create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. During times of uncertainty, we turn to leaders of leaders, pastors of pastors, and today we're honored uh, to have one of those leaders, Rich Guerra, uh, who is over the SoCal Network. Uh, he served as the senior pastor of Visalia First Assembly for 12 years. Under his leadership, the church saw tremendous growth, uh, developed a lot of creative outreaches to the community, such as the Miracle League of Visalia Baseball uh, for special needs children. Uh, he also served as a pastor of Trinity Life Center in Las Vegas, right off the strip. And so uh, he is uh, really a leader, a vanguard on reaching out to our communities in very impactful ways. In fact, uh, Rich Guerra is one of the founders of CityServe, CityServe International. Uh, he is the one who came to uh, many of us with this vision called the Compassion Galaxy, uh, which evolved into CityServe. Rich, uh, a joy to have you on the Influencers Podcast. Thank you, Dave. It's good to be with you, and I value your friendship and your leadership, and I'm excited about what God is doing through City, sir. Well, let's talk about uh, your vision for the Compassion Galaxy and how that has just grown into CityServe, which is helping literally hundreds of thousands of people especially now that are hit hard by the COVID virus? Well, Dave, I think much like you and your brothers, we come from humble beginnings. My grandparents were immigrants from Mexico, came to faith in Christ. They started a church in the San Fernando Valley, and at the age of five years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I don't know why I waited so long, but at five years old, I said, I'm going to get serious about this and be a Christ follower. And I've been a Christ follower ever since. But I really was instilled in me from my grandfather who had real compassion for people. He would take food and clothes and Bibles down to Mexico and the, the poor areas and help people in the community. And so my Christian faith was based on Matthew 28 to go and spread the gospel, but also Matthew 25, that I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And I think that has formed my ministry and my passion all these years. And so while it was pastoring, I thought, what are the needs of the community? What are people struggling with that we can reach out and help them? Not to just get them into the church, but get the church out into the community. So I was humbled when our fellowship chose that I should be the superintendent over our now about 480 churches, about 1,300 credentialed ministers, and about 202,000 Sunday morning attenders. But this area of compassion has always been a passion of mine. And it was 
then I began to have this vision of how could every church, regardless of their size, regardless of their location, regardless of their resources, do an act of compassion in their community. Because I believe you cannot be a Christ follower and not have compassion for those that are hurting. And just so that a real estate developer who was a friend of the network, he called me and he said, Rich, I have this property in Bakersfield that I've been trying to sell for about six years and I just feel led to give it to you. And I said, well, what is the property? Well, it was a former uh, Montgomery Wards building. It's in downtown Bakersfield and it's marketed at $6 million. And I would like to give it to you, the network. And you can try to make it a ministry. And if you can't, then you're welcome to sell it and use those funds for ministry. So I thanked him, hung up the phone, called my good friend for over 35 years, Wendell Vincent, pastor of Canyon Hills in Bakersfield. And I said, Wendell, uh, real estate developer uh, agent just gave me this building. Uh, I think it was the Montgomery Wards downtown to use his ministry. What do you think? I know that Wendell's a great leader, built a great church, has a heart for the community. And it was quiet on the other line. So I said, Wendell, are you there? He says, no, I, I heard you. But for two years, I've been trying to find property downtown because we have very little presence. Mm -hmm. But there are no building and no parking. I know exactly where that building is. And so I said, can we meet there tomorrow? So we met there and walked into this mammoth building that was really in poor, poor condition. But it was huge, huge parking lot downtown. And we both had to push back the tears. Wendell remembered when he was a little boy, his mom used to take him there and buy him a bag of popcorn, sit him in the TV section as she went shopping and paid the Montgomery Wards bill and a vision of my grandfather who said, well, the church is the greatest organization in the world to help those that are in need. And that was the vision of the beginning of CityServe. And it expanded. This galaxy is not just food. It's not just clothing. It's not just furniture, but it's in every area of people's lives uh, have a real burden for special needs children. As you said, I was fortunate to have a vision where I pastored and built the first baseball facility for special needs children west of the Rockies that now over 200 children every weekend get to participate in baseball. Little did I know that years later, I would have a special needs grandson so what we are doing is making a difference in single parents, special needs children, communities that need help. And I thank God that it was because of vision. I think vision is critical for both evaluating short-term decisions, but for creating a better future. 
And that's our goal, not to be the best. How can we be better at what God has called us to do? So that's how the galaxy began. And like a gal our galaxies, we are realizing they keep expanding. Mm -hmm. They keep finding new galaxies. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do everything in a galaxy, because this ministry continues to expand. And now it's spread into other states, other countries. And I believe it is a God-given dream that he has helped bringing to being. And I'm so thankful I could be a part of it. Well, by the way, I think our listeners would love to hear this, that you were elected by the city of Visalia as citizen of the year. I don't know about too many pastors that have been <laughs> voted citizen of the year, but uh, that, that says a ton. By the way, when I see that Montgomery Wards, which is now really a lighthouse to the entire community. I have mixed feelings. On one hand, it's you know obviously exciting to see that reaching the community. But when I was a kid, I got lost at Montgomery Wards and <laughs> you know they take you to the break room and they're trying to find out you know who your parents are and they started giving me ice cream and candy bars and they said, uh, what's your name? And I thought for a moment and I said, well, if I give my real name, I'm not going to get any more candy. So <laughs> Dave Smith, well, the parents of Dave Smith come to the break room. <laughs> but, uh, well, Rich, you are, you know, you're one of the most disciplined people uh, that I've ever met. Uh, you are a, a force on Peloton. And uh, a lot of us, you know, right now, like yourself, we're sheltered. And, and we're just wondering, when is this all going to end uh, when we can go out and return to our regular lives? Since you are sheltered as well, what's your daily regimen? I'm curious about that. Well, my wife of uh, 42 years says I have issues <laughs> because I am very um, regimented. I believe in routine. I believe practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanence. So I don't call them spiritual disciplines. I call it my daily practices. You know, it's simple. I pray a little bit every day. I read a little bit of the word every day. I exercise a little bit every day. And I try to do an act of kindness every day. But I believe in routine. And I think that sometimes because of crisis, we get out of our routine. And that's where fear and frustration sets in. You know, I'm a, I didn't ever love the verse growing up, but in James, it says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I thought that does not seem very encouraging, but he's not saying to have joy because of the trial, but in the midst of trial, you can have joy because you know, it's going to produce something. And so I don't, back off or uh, oppose crisis, I say this is an opportunity, as I said before, for really, what is God saying to us? And I think crisis and my routine helps me keep in focus, okay, God, what are you saying to us? And how are we gonna get there? So every day I have a routine 
I have annual goals that I prayerfully put down, and then I break them down into quarterly goals, then I break them down into weekly goals, and now I have three daily goals. And this is one of my daily goals today, speaking with you, so that I can get to where I feel God wants us to get to. I think that so many people, you know, we, we know that verse, without vision, people perish. But another version says people start wandering, and I think this gives us an opportunity. And I think it takes that regiment discipline to, to get there. And yet, because you have a routine, now you're more flexible when emergencies or something happens. You're not feeling frustrated because you know you can get back on your plan to where you need to get to. So that's what I practice. Um, you know, I eat the same breakfast every morning. <laughs> you know, I, I, I lay up my clothes the night before. Um, I visualize what the next day will look like. Uh, and so uh, I was a baseball player, you know that, Dave. And, mm-hmm. and, and every good baseball player, while they're on the on-deck circle, visualizes that slider on the outside corner and you're going to take it the other way kind of thing. Mm. And if you can visualize it, you then are more apt to be able to do it. And that's how I try to live my life daily. Yeah, I spoke with a mutual friend of ours. Uh, We were doing a Zoom and he he had a gun on the desk. And I said, uh, George, what's what's that? And he held it up and he said, I'm trying to keep this away from my wife. <laughs> so, I, yes. so I think relationally, a lot of good things happening, uh, but uh, it could also be a challenge. Now, you're over hundreds of pastors, including myself, and you're also uh, really a leader nationwide and around the world. Uh, pastors, leaders look to you for counsel. What are you saying to these pastors during this crisis? It's a good question, Dave, because I think that uh, the first thing is to listen. Um, They just need someone to voice their frustrations and fears to. So many times as uh, local or national leaders, we want to tell people what we think they need without hearing what they want. And so making ourselves available. When we go through crisis, the worst thing to do is to isolate yourself, to feel like I'm going to fail or I'm not going to make it. That's why you need relationships or community. And that's why we as ministers need to get closer together. So we intentionally call every minister in our network of 1,300 we have regional leaders. Uh, we make calls to say, how are you doing? How can we help you? Then once we listen to them and reach out, make ourselves available to them, then we can move to, okay, let's stop describing the problem and let's prescribe a solution. There, when you're overwhelmed with problems, you don't see solutions. But there's always a solution. God wants to use this for for a purpose. This crisis has exposed our weaknesses and our strengths. 
those churches that were very outreach driven, they're out in their community, they were already doing it, are now flourishing. Those churches had be that had become inward and uh, not showing any compassion, it's exposing it even more. So I think it has been a wake up call for us now to say, how can we help you become more compassion driven by having an online presence, by having an online giving system, by helping you with food distribution or shut-in help or those kinds of things that today are meeting the needs of people. So I think that once people feel they have a plan, now they have hope. And I think that is what God put me here, is to be a, a I'm a hope peddler. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I push hope and uh, we can make it and we're going to help you get there. So that has been the concern. I think that uh, that there are numbers are of people connected to the church are greater than ever been because of the online presence. Mm -hmm. But it's not just likes we need to have, it's engagement. Mm -hmm. So that when our doors are open, those people that we've touched, that we've helped, that we've encouraged will show up that we've never met before because they've been engaged to what the local church is providing. I do believe, statistics prove it, that the church is an essential business. Where there is an active church, crime goes down in that community. Poverty goes down. Uh, the needs are met. Families are restored. It is an essential business, regardless of what any government official would say. But we are more than just buildings. We are people of faith that need to live out our faith out in the public every day. So that's been what we're trying to do, is bring courage, bring resources to helping churches now and when the stay-at-home order is lifted. What is the church going to look like? I'm here to tell you it's not going to look like what it looked like before. So just thinking about going back to the good old days is not going to work. And that is great because God never goes back. He always goes forward to create something new and fresh and dynamic. That's what I'm excited to see in the years to come. I really appreciate how you have encouraged pastors to embrace media and to expand that footprint. And you have said media is the new front door. Uh, for the church. Can you expand upon that uh, for a bit? Yeah, well, you know, in the, you know, Stone Ages when I pastored, <laughs> you know, we had the yellow pages. That's why all our churches use the, t the title Assemblies of God, because we'd be in the A's under churches <laughs> on the yellow pages. <laughs> now, no, none of our, many of our churches don't use that Assemblies of God in their title, and that's, that's fine, but, uh, that was the way we maybe an ad in a newspaper or, you know, uh, a door hanger. Well, today it's now social media that people will check you out online before they ever visit your church. And I think that is a great opportunity, but it is also a wake up call in that 
what are you producing? Dave, you're going to eat fish, chicken, or beef today. One of those. But where you go depends on presentation. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone makes a hamburger, but you're going to go to where the best-looking hamburger is, the freshest. And I think that's where we, the church, have to be more innovative and creative to produce a product that is inviting and people will want. And I think that's what this online presence and now people who are detached from the church or non-church can see it, can feel what that church is offering and say, man, this is what I need in my life. And now it's the new front door. And we always talk about the back door, but for the church to grow, they have to increase their front door not just close the back door. And I think that's why this online is here to stay. And we are having now church planters start their church online. So before they ever have a physical building, they already have two, 300 people that are following them online. So then when a facility does come open, now they have the ability to fund that facility and reach their community and so I'm excited, and that's why we've invested so much in providing resources and not only how to get online, but how to really do it effectively. And it's all on our website for ministers to take advantage of. Outstanding. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of things that, that you have learned uh, during this crisis. What would be the one big thing Uh, that the Lord has shown you during this time for you personally, but also uh, for your leaders? That's, you know, I am passionate, but I'm also uh, very determined because I feel like my time is running out. Like, there's so much to do. And so I have this sense of urgency that I live by. Mm. And I don't want to just make it this year. I want to help produce something that has lasting meaning, lasting purpose, lasting vision. And God spoke to me. It was through Michael Hyatt's book, The Vision Driven Leader. He said this, if... The vision is compelling enough. People will apply their best thinking and effort to figure it out, regardless of the obstacles and opposition. And bam, that resonated with me. We have the opportunity to, to help build something that future generations can build upon. That they won't want to go back to the good old days, but look forward to the great things that God is wanting to do. And I'm so excited because I'm seeing leaders that are coming up with great thinking. Uh, Canyon Hills is one of our premier churches and see what they're doing and other churches uh, all over Southern California that are innovative and creative. And we're going to meet this obstacle In his book, he talks about Apollo 13 and how it was headed for disaster. And the ground control engineer uh, said, 
With all due respect, sir, I believe this will be our finest hour. Failure is not an option. And that is all I need, Dave. Mm. That uh, we're going to see great things. And it's because of partnerships that we are partnering together. Uh, and I think that is something that I've always believed in and are starting to see. And we have gone to the Middle East. Just think about it, Dave. Uh, I was in Turkey and Jordan in February, uh, speaking in a church in Turkey uh, where we are having, helping the refugee crisis there. Mm -hmm. uh, in one refugee center, over 80,000 refugees. They say every day, 15 babies are born in that refugee camp. I stood there. Mm -hmm. I said, we're gonna do something about this uh, through the help of CityServe and World Vision. And we're gonna do something about this. But I was preaching in a church there in Amman, Jordan, uh, two services, they were packed. And it is against the law to evangelize a Muslim on the streets of Jordan, and everyone in that church was a converted Muslim and is now a follower of Christ. Mm. The greater the crisis, the greater the persecution, the greater the move and the presence of God. And maybe that's what America needed to happen to get our focus back where it needs to be. And that's what excites me, and I think that's what motivates me and I'm so excited to be a part of this. Well, you're, you're, you're a testimony of a leader with faith, hope, and the truth that if God can get it through us, he'll give it to us. And he's invested a lot in you, not only talents, but influence, creativity. And that's why we're experiencing this expanding Compassion Galaxy starting in Bakersfield, throughout SoCal, the nation and nations, from our neighborhoods to the nations. And so we're just so grateful uh, for you, Rich, and your leadership. Please close our time in prayer. Uh, and if you could focus on praying over pastors and their churches, we would appreciate it. Absolutely. Before I pray, Dave, thank you again for this opportunity to be a part of this. I'm always reminded, you know, my grandparents were from Mexico. My dad was a gardener. Today I'm the superintendent. That God calls whosoever. <laughs> he loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. And I give him all the honor and glory, but I'm never gonna forget where I come from, Pacoima, California. And I think if we don't forget where we come from, we'll know where we're going and we'll stay humble through the process. Thank you, Dave, for what you and your brothers are doing nationally and globally because you've always had a humble spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. As your word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That all authority has been given to us, you said, to go and make disciples. Lord, I thank you that you've never broken a promise 
There are 7,000 promises in your word, God. And I pray for our ministers today that as they open your word today, they will hang on to one of those promises that by your stripes that we are healed, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that you shall provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory. May they hang on to a promise because you've never broken a promise and may you give them vision. Lord, may they see not where they are, but what they'll become. Lord, we lead two ministries, the one that is and the one that's not yet. Give them clear vision of what that not yet ministry will look like and surround them with people that will help them get there as you lead and guide them. We pray for their protection physically over this virus. We pray, God, that you will supply the resources they need. And God, I thank you that at a time like this, the church can shine and be the light on that hill that you've called us to be. So God, I thank you and I give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you, Rich. You have inspired us. You have challenged us today and we're grateful uh, you were on uh, the Influencers Podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dave. I always say my friendships last longer than my positions. And knowing that we've been <laughs> friends for 30 years, uh, we're in this together for the long run. So thank you, friend, and God bless all of you there. Hey, all the way, my friend. All the way. Love you much. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus.